It's murder on the dance floor, but you better not kill the groove, DJ. Gonna burn this house right down. Have you watched Saltburn, Brett? I have watched Saltburn. I'm also actually kind of glad that that song has gotten like such a like re up in the collective consciousness because like good for that artist. They're getting so paid, baby. I know. I love a re a, a re. What is it? An afterlife for mm-hmm. like. Remember when everyone was obsessed with Kate Bush? Oh yeah. Even though I was gatekeeping, I was Kate keeping. You were Kate keeping, running up that hill. Yeah. Because I was like, guys, I've loved Kate Bush for years. Mm-hmm. So I didn't all need y'all, Stranger anyway. Things. No, exactly. And I didn't watch Stranger Things. I'll say it. Uh, but did you, what did you think of Saltburn? Uh, loved. Movie of the year. <laughs> right? It was actually great. Yeah, like I'm actually, I'm retracting my Leave the World Behind as movie of the year. It's Saltburn. Well, what's funny is like Saltburn in so many ways. It's like if you were to ask that, like a filmmaker or someone who wanted to make that film, like, why now? Mm-hmm. Why do we need this film now? And like, I don't think there actually is a good answer. No. And like, I, I think though it's saying a whole lot more about like both nobility, but also it's like, I don't know. I feel like it is largely for like a, a Western audience where there's not really like, you know, the cookie cutter type of nobility kind of situation. So it also says a lot about our sort of deification of those holding titles. Yes. I thought it was kind of funny and like uncanny, right? To see these like uber wealthy British, this uber wealthy British family living in like an old ass estate right but the only room they really spend time in is like the one with like the tv and all of like the modern luxuries and it's kind of and like the family is kind of like low brow but like of much affluence yeah and it's also like i don't know just the the juxtaposition of like like jacob alordi's character like obviously being so fucking rich but like can't be bothered to like iron his pants or steam his shirt because like that's how much money they have yeah and then like i'm i'm watching it with my mom and my stepdad and we're watching um what's the other actor's name barry barry lick the from the bathtub okay so <laughs> and i'll fuck I'll spoiler say, alert about that somebody on threads and i like i hate that i didn't save a screenshot of it but this girl on threads that i saw said something to the effect of oliver be doing the most to not be able to eat a runny egg you know <laughs> And then I just thought about that. I was like, yes. oh, yeah, actually. Yeah, wow. Okay. True, true, true. Yeah. I mean, it was just a fun movie. And the final scene where he's like dancing through the house oh, naked. iconic. First of all, my stepdad said to my mom and me before we watched it, it was the three of us, and he was like, I heard there's a lot of full frontal male nudity in it. And we're about an hour into the film. Mm-hmm. No one has said anything so far. And my mom just goes, where's the penis? You promised me penis. <laughs> and then and then you get it. Boy, do you get it in the last, what, two minutes of the movie? Yeah, but only like kind of. I'm like, if you're trying to like watch full frontal peen, it's like shame is right there with Michael Fassbender. Shame? Oh, I haven't seen that. Oh, uh, baby, you want to talk about full frontal? Need to add it to my watch list immediately. Looking like a grandfather clock. Bong. Not really. Bong. Yeah. I love a good, like, flaccid penis in cinema so honestly much. yeah there's not enough appreciation for soft masculinity oh it's the best it's really the best men should really all men all straight men all cis straight men <laughs> all cis straight men i think should write an essay on the flaccid penis and why 
it has such a hold on the, I would say, I, I'll just speak for myself, on like the female mind. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not speaking on, on behalf of all women. I think all women I know love love a soft penis. Like the soft masculinity. Like just, I just think men need to do a, a, a little bit of literary analysis and soul search. You know, I, I would be surprised to read that essay, not because of the subject matter. I didn't know cis straight men could write. <laughs> no, we love our cis straight listeners. We love them. I'm just surprised. That's, that's all. If you are a cis straight listener, write to us to prove that you indeed can write. Shopradarpeak.com. You can hit us up via the contact form there. I, you know. I'm curious. We really love you, and we don't. We don't want to alienate the people at the top of the food chain. <laughs> no, we don't want to alienate um, the patriarchy. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, wait. Before we move away from movies, I also okay. You saw May December, right? Not yet, babe. But, 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 but I need you to there's watch drama it about they that need movie. to talk about it because I don't even like. What? I don't. I don't know anything about it other than I guess like it is based Ugh. on a true story, right? Yeah, and mm-hmm. and the guy who's story it is i guess the movie was made without him being like consulted like at all or anything but like right he's he's portrayed in a way i don't know if they kept his same like name or if they like renamed it for the story or whatever but like he is portrayed in the story and like he's very unhappy with the final results oh i didn't hear about that then that's all i know about that because i know it's mary Kay letourneau Mm -hmm. she's the teacher that did you know it's kind of based on OG so you Kramer. don't know what it's about i don't know what may december is about i know mary kay letourneau i remember that happening like in the news oh okay can i just tell you what may december is about no spoilers sure. it's about this woman who you know had a inappropriate sexual relationship with her like seventh grade student yikes and it takes place like 15 years later where like they're married they have three children together Uh, like she served jail time and like is married to that former boy wow and it's and then so that's that's julianne moore's character and then natalie portman plays this actress who's going to be portraying her in a movie Oh, that's trippy. And is like staying with her to study her and like immerse herself in the character. Whoa. Anyways, there's something I really want to talk to you about the end. So I need you to watch it. Okay. But, I'll watch it tonight. Um, we can talk about it next week. And you can also decide like how much you feel like it is a, you know, direct ripoff of the true story of Mary Kay Letourneau. Interesting. And okay. Who did she marry? His name is... No one talks about his name. Mm-mm. Oh, Vili Fuelau. It's very interesting. Anyway. anyway. What do you have to tell me today, Brett? Mm, well, so my thing is not really a by the way, mommy, but it is kind of. And it's not really a big if true, but it is kind of. So I'm officially starting a brand new segment that I'm calling Big If True, Mommy. <laughs> And baby, I love it. Kick it off. We've got UAP news. I'm not a girl. It's giving, you know what I mean? Not yet a woman. I'm not a big of true. Not yet a, by the way, mommy. Yeah. Okay, anyway. Something. We'll keep workshopping Big of true, mommy. Anyway. Okay. TMZ has a new three-part docuseries titled UFO Revolution. I watched 
the first part of it last night, it's going to be, it's obviously, it's three parts. So it's like three very long sort of like feature length episodes. I watched part one last night. It's titled The Breakthrough. Can't recommend it enough. You can stream it for free on Tubi. There are commercials, but Uh, like it's for free. And it's produced by TMZ Special Projects. So it's like they're, they're like long form, more sort of like journalistic approach to storytelling. Not just like, you know, papping celebrities as they're, you know, arriving at LAX. In this series, they have interviews with researchers, former government officials, professors, military officers. And in part one, it just aired as of this recording, filmmaker Jeremy Corbell, who, if you don't know who that is or if you don't remember, he was one of the guys who was seated behind David Grush the day that he was testifying before Congress. So, like, he's part of this group that Mm. all showed up together. He was sitting front row just over David Grush's left shoulder. In this docuseries, he released a two-minute clip of a UAP filmed in Iraq at a joint operations base. The object is being referred to as the jellyfish UAP due to its striking resemblance to the oceanic invertebrates. Now, according to a tweet or an X... According to Jeremy Corbell's ex, like, am I really supposed to say that? The footage is raw footage, so it hasn't been edited other than taking the clip that they used for broadcast. And it shows an object displaying what he calls transmedium capacity. Now, remember, when we were on the hill, like on the day that David Grush and the other two service members were testifying, one of them talked about the USS Nimitz encounter. Do you remember that one? Yes, the Tic Tac. Yeah, the Tic Tac that was able to, like, change direction like at a moment's notice without losing speed it was able to like go from air to water and back to air again without slowing down like really just displaying like okay how in the physics is this happening kind of thing so this thing filmed over this joint operations base in iraq was displaying characteristics of transmedium capability we love an amphibious ufo yeah the footage was filmed using what's called thermographic forward-looking infrared technology or fluid we'll say technology because oh we've heard of we've heard of FLIR it's a a very similar if not the exact same kind of technology that was used in the gimbal video where the fighter pilot operating the jet was able to lock on his radar systems onto this UAP over the ocean and observe it that way so it was filmed using thermographic forward-looking infrared technology because standard night vision could not see it. It was filmed in October of 2018 and was immediately classified by the military as indeed being footage of an authentic UAP and to the day this classification is still held. Now for the video. The actual footage was filmed at night from a weapon system camera using this FLIR tech and the jellyfish, and I say jellyfish truly because it looks like kind of a blob up top with things that hang straight down beneath it. This jellyfish. Wow, why? I'm just like, why are they all different? And a part of me is like, you know how they say like the devil kind of like will take the form or like your demons will take the form that like makes sense to you or God will, you know, Mm -hmm. like God, like you know what I mean? I'm just like, is the form secondary? Like, is the form just like, and also like what came first? Humanity's idea of a UFO or the actual shape of UFO? Because like if you are, let's say, Trisolaris and you have Sophons and you know what it is that humanity thinks a UFO looks like then and you're in a fourth dimension in a non-spatial space and you can like manifest Mm -hmm. in the three-dimensional space in whatever shape you want like that could that have anything to do with the diversity of spacecraft no just like 
looking around yeah. and trying not let's like literally choose your fighter yeah, not no because also but if you're op- none of them if you're an intelligent organism that's that's existing in a dimension higher than our three dimensions of physical space four if you count time the thing that those people in the third dimension will actually see is only just what of you you're interacting with on that plane so it's like think about it you're standing on a sidewalk you're interacting with the second dimension by casting a shadow so like if you're somebody living in flatland you're only going to see the edge of the shadow you're not going to have any comprehension of the thing that's casting that shadow so it like it makes sense that they would be able to sort of like control or tailor the way that they appear in the third dimension because like if you're able to go between dimensions like that seems like a harder thing than changing you know how you appear to me anyway totally yeah so this jellyfish floats over the secure ops base through the air sort of like bobbing up and down wait sorry yeah. <laughs> one more thing you're so right and it's like kind of like imagine doing like a shadow puppet no literally right that's literally what it is like they just change the shape of their hand yeah. and then you're gonna see a different like a beast on the wall yeah. or like a triangle or a sphere or whatever like and obviously the shadow is two-dimensional i mean like that i feel like is the best analogy yeah. and the more the, yeah just based on that brief little uh side Brett, I'm convinced that we're right. I'm convinced that the spacecraft shape actually doesn't matter and is not fixed and does not originate, you know, is not attached to like a certain species mm-hmm. of extraterrestrial necessarily. Like they can literally be whatever spacecraft shape they want because it's just a shadow. Yeah. When it's also like, you know, if you've got multiple, you know, as David Grush alleges, there are multiple types of non-human intelligence. If they're all able to sort of go between at will dimensions, theirs versus ours, it's also not that far of a stretch of the imagination to assume that like any of the species of non-human intelligence could present as any of the other species species of non-human intelligence so then you've got like an interdimensional trojan right. horse kind of scenario mm. especially if you believe I'm... that president eisenhower met and actually signed the deal on that day with the friendlier of the two non-human intelligent species you could have a scenario where ones who are not so friendly show up appearing to be the friendly ones i'm really rooting for us to figure it out Mm -hmm. and by us i mean somebody even if they have a lot higher security clearance than you and i and then of course i'm rooting for us like the plebes to also find out but like at least at least god please let one human being know just one we're close i feel close like the fact that you and i can like armchair sort of scientists this like means that actual scientists like must be actually like close to something close or actually already know or something Right. Because also, exactly. you know, anyway. then my mind goes to, you know, it's like looking at like the Schumer Amendment, for example, that was put forward that says, you know, no less than 60. My favorite piece of literature of the year. Same. <laughs> no less than 60 days, it says, after the passage of this amendment, which was passed as part of the NDAA for 2024, 20, that there should be a repository established for the collection and eventual dissemination of all known UAP material available to the public, not immediately, and also on a case-by-case basis as the government decides, you know, like, this is not in the interest of national security, this is unredact this, don't release that, you know, whatever. But it just makes me think about the fact that, like, Chuck Schumer and the Democrats and President Biden, by extension, stand to lose the most right now. I mean, we're headed into an election year, like, the Senate is really... 
the Democrats' last sort of bastion as it relates to like representation in politics. And it's like, I just have to ask, like, you know, why would Chuck Schumer, who as the leader of the Democrats in the Senate, who stands to lose arguably more than Biden if he doesn't win his reelection, why would he fight so hard to put forward something that's seemingly not very popular with a lot of lawmakers when he stands to lose so much just in his chamber of the Senate? It's like, okay, well, I don't know. It feels like it's, it gives me more credence to the idea that like disclosure is imminent and they're trying to do it on their terms because maybe they know that something is happening. I don't know. Just a thought. Mm, mm. More to be revealed. Okay, so go on. So, this jellyfish. Back to the jellyfish. In the video, it floats over the secure ops base in Iraq. And it's it's floating, kind of bobbing up and down through the air toward a body of water. And then it descends into the water where it stays for the next 17 <gasps> minutes. It rises back to the surface and then very, very rapidly shoots out of the water at a 45-degree angle and zooms away from the operations base. Oh, I need to see this. Interesting to note, on the footage, since it was filmed at night, the camera is set to pick up anything with a heat signature. Because, you know, they tried night vision and it wasn't showing up, so they're like, use the infrared. And the infrared saw it like, like the sun was out. Like, it looked like it was noon, basically. What the fuck? The footage is in black and white because again we're just looking at infrared spectrum of the visible light spectrum that we can see infrared is like the one that it's picking up and it's what we can't see so what it's doing is on the footage it designates things that are black as having a heat signature things that are white as having no heat signature and anywhere in between as sort of being like cooling down or heating up that kind of thing okay okay so as the jellyfish floats over the base it goes from stark black and like very very what's called heat visible to nearly completely white approaching heat invisibility before it does actually blink out of existence on the footage and it does this several oh times oh my god there are reports that when the camera tried to lock onto the object the capabilities of the FLIR system to do so were scrambled so the tracking was done manually Wow. And it's like that was obviously designated as a UAP then because the military maintains today that like that classification is still held. They're like, we don't know what this is. It's obviously anomalous and identified. And that is a phenomenon. So, yeah, you know what we know, basically. Okay. Show me. <laughs> you can look it up. It's it's included in this TMZ series that you can stream on Tubi called UFO oh. Revolution. But I'm sure by now you can just find the actual video clip of it on YouTube. Because as soon as this thing... Yeah, jellyfish, UFO, Iraq. And now it's to the point where... News a, Nation, a, 10 hours ago. Again, literally like my point. Very much like what we saw with David Grush, where you have, you know, sort of like a mainstream-ish, but not like a legacy mainstream news outlet you know news nation was the first after the debrief to break the story on david grush but like it's interesting to me that like now that tmz who like everybody just thinks tmz is like oh they're not serious they just take paparazzi photos for a living and they're gossiping da 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 but it's like now that tmz has done the work of kind of sticking their neck out a little bit and doing from what i've seen so far pretty good journalism now other larger mainstream news sources are reporting on tmz's reporting and it's 
it's like, okay, this isn't for nothing. <laughs> Bring it to the mainstream, mainstream, mainstream. Um, okay, I'm watching it. I am shonked. Chonked. It is very high definition footage, actually. Like, even though this is, um, infrared and often i feel like the clips of ufos in the past that are you know taken by infrared it's like yeah that could be a spinning is, top in it's very air. like sure. fuzzy yeah. right this has like very Detail. clear dimension mm-hmm. and like shape and parts it's bizarre yeah it uncanny is what i kept thinking of it is jellyfish shaped or like it's crazy isn't it wild it kind of has like long legs or tentacles but it has like also these other just like it it just has geometry within it but it's also okay wait so i'm watching the whole thing hold on and it does kind of the heat signature you can literally see it like cycling between like visible and non-visible oh okay so news nation did a little interview with avi Loeb, yes our favorite ufo uap truther that must have been what today um, I, haven't, I haven't seen that yet i mean i saw they covered it on one of their this shows is last today. night okay this got is it. literally today wow breaking um let's see no you uh, and on what's crazy is i have a little i have a little breaking news myself <gasps> wow i'm just i'm still watching the video watching it just like hover over all of these barracks or whatever it is i just want to see what avi Loeb said it's not uh, visible it's only uh, is detected through its uh, thermal emission in the infrared in the newly released video you can see what appears to be a jellyfish shaped object with string-like tentacles dangling as it glides through a united states joint operations base in iraq this video was recorded back in october of 2018 You can see the object going from white to black, indicating a change from hot to cold on thermal imagery. While NewsNation has not independently verified the authenticity of the video, the UAP was allegedly moving through a sensitive military installation. I mean, Jeremy Corbell released it. Leaked it. Identified their nature because if they are produced by adversarial nations, uh, we want to know about that and protect our facilities. Most importantly... uh, uh, strategic facilities such as nuclear reactors. Investigative UFO journalists Jeremy Corbell and George Knapp obtained the military filmed UAP incursion. They say, according to witnesses, the object displayed transmedium capabilities going underwater for more than 15 minutes and after it resurfaced, rapidly accelerating. It is not a standard. Okay, so crazy. Well, Brett, I have some breaking news for you. This is Radar Peak Breaking News. As of today. Okay. As of yesterday. Why am I nervous? Three Body Problem official trailer released. Hell yeah. Should we watch watch it? it? I haven't watched it yet. Let's watch it. I haven't watched it either. Also, David Benioff and Dan Weiss and Alexander Wu, but you know, the guys that are adapting the three body problem for Netflix did one of their first interviews with the Hollywood reporter about the series. Tell me about it. And should I tell you or should we first watch the trailer? Let's watch the trailer first. It's two and a half minutes. Okay. Oh shit, numbers, numbers, baby. Another countdown. Oh. Has anyone now seen it? What happened to them? Oh, baby. Scientists. 
all of our Game of Thrones favorites. Judgment Day out on the ocean. Just have to dig. Whoa. From the creators of Game of Thrones. Oh God, chills. We don't know what they are. Maybe we can't know what they are. Whoa. Whoa, all the birds dropping dead at Radar Peak. Chills. Okay. Wait, these V suits are sick. Holy fuck, inside the game. Oh my god. Wow. Oh my god, I love this cover of uh, this Radiohead cover. Okay, so. Place, everything in its right immediately, place. Immediately, you know, we, we, I think we mentioned it like. Before, but like Wang Miao, nowhere to be found. That's a that's a lady. That's not a man. And the V suits are so much sicker than I think I could have imagined. And I mean, the Apple headsets just came out, and yeah, I mean, these look like they're like the Apple headset V like fifty five or something. You know? Wow, totally. The show's description: a young woman's fateful decision in nineteen sixties China reverberates across space and time into the present day when the laws of nature inexplicably unravel before their eyes, a close-knit group of brilliant scientists join forces with an unorthodox detective to confront the greatest threat in humanity's history. But so they, Weiss and Benioff, sat down with the good old Hollywood Reporter for a rare interview. Uh, The whole interview actually starts out talking about how rare they do do interviews and how they were basically completely AWOL during the final season of Game of Thrones. It's almost like they knew they were going to do this and they took Luoji's character to heart. They're like, how can we get the fuck away from everything and everybody and never have to talk to people? And they basically, I mean, they signed an insane $200 million deal with Netflix and they they knew that I think one of the head of scripted at Netflix was obsessed with this book and had been wanting to have it adapted for a while. And so they were like, all right, let's read it. And they read it. They finish it within like 10 minutes of each other they're both like what do you think and the other one says well the ending is amazing yeah and the other one's like we gotta do it right and i'm like oh my god what's the ending i don't even know yet so they were talking about you know what what they liked about thrones when they read the books was that it was something they had never seen on screen before and they felt like okay this is like the next iteration of that like this would be an extremely difficult thing to translate to screen but like why not fucking do it and they really talk about how in three body problem coming to netflix on march 21st so soon um, by the way yeah but i feel like we might be done with honestly we might 
we're moving at a fast clip, so I don't know. But they talk about how in this series and in, in their adaptation, apparently, uh, as well, which makes sense, the aliens here are not moving at warp speed like in Star Trek. They're not going to be here for 400 years. And they say that, which basically gives humanity time to strategize for the arrival. And so much of the show's first season apparently follows the physicists trying to come together under the leadership of a shadowy British intelligence chief to spar against a murderous cult ETO. Ding, ding, ETO who want to help the aliens colonize Earth anyway so it seems like it's really focused on sort of like okay how does humanity work together which really was kind of like book one you know where it's like a lot of like adjusting to like a new normal realizing that like no it's not gonna go away and sort of like and now what do we do now that collectively humanity has like had this realization basically I mean that's also book two I feel like that's where we're at yeah kind of but I mean you'll see we're about to we're about to see some like plans start to like actually Shit put into off. motion yeah I can feel it when we get into today's recap you're gonna feel it too but yeah they know the pressure's on to prove themselves I think they know that you know the they world kind of got really mad at them about the last season of Game of Thrones. They also said they okay, so then they said they brought on Alexander Wu as a third showrunner who was also a part of True Blood. He was a writer okay. producer on True Great Blood. Show. I don't know. One of the interesting things he says was that as a Chinese American, you know, he's the child of immigrants, and like there is this sort of like immigrant undertone to these aliens in Three Body that are looking for a safer place to live, and the people. People who live there don't want them so i'm like okay that's an interesting Although, it's like it is take. that yeah that is a take i'm like but i don't i've never met an immigrant or a group of immigrants like trying to move from one place to another moving there and like going okay we're gonna go to this place because like the opportunities of the resources of the whatever are better and when we get there we're gonna annihilate everybody there <laughs> you know what i mean i'm like mm, it's not an exact comparison but i kind of see what he's saying yeah also i'm like he sounds like an adventist because like it almost sounds Sounds like he's welcoming the Trisolarians. Totally. That third showrunner. I know. Hmm. I'm here for it. We need one showrunner who's like sympathetic to the Trisolarians because, I mean, we did meet that one uh, mm-hmm. listener and I was like, man, I, I know, feel like, for that. I know, like they're not human, but like Alien. that one listener, 1379, definitely exhibited like, I don't know, the characteristics of humanity, I think. Totally. Don't be so humanocentric or yeah. anthrocentric. Anthro, I guess. They talk a little bit about all the disappointment and like the reactions that they got, blah, blah, blah. Okay, and then they talk about the craziest meeting of their career, which is when they had a Zoom meeting with Xixin Liu. Oh, so sick. Or Liu Xixin. They they say Liu Xixin in this interview because obviously it's reverse we said loose season a little bit in season one but then i think we yeah we anglicized the order <laughs> yeah but basically he was clear with uh weiss and benioff that he was very comfortable with major adaptation changes oh cool the first thing he said was he was like a huge fan of thrones and he said listen i know you're gonna have to make a lot of changes so but my question is why i mean it is a really there's a lot of characters like like so you can't do as much in a show when you only have you know, 30 minutes to an hour. It's true. As you can in a book. And uh, they said one of the biggest creative shifts 
is that three body problem is now a global story and then this hong kong director derek tsang said i don't think people understand how monumental the novel is in our part of the world he said it's considered the sci-fi novel that made people aware of what the genre can be but it's not an easy read and i give a lot of credit to david and dan for making it more accessible and you know what i give credit to us as well because like thank you for acknowledging this is not an easy read and we are out here doing the same exact work of like making it more accessible i would say Mm -hmm. why some benioff are giving you the teleplay we're giving you the radio play literally something from the trailer that i thought was cool that for whatever reason i just i i've never imagined it so my mind's eye had no you know like preconceived frame of reference for it but seeing yay wenji's daughter jumping basically head first into her neutrino sensor telescope thing committing suicide i'm like whoa that is something that i have never imagined before wait who is this book one when ye wenji's daughter arrived you know at that conclusion physics doesn't exist and she committed suicide from it yes they show mm-hmm. that in the trailer. They show a woman. Is like, that what you think that was? Opening when she opening the safety gate. I think that was yeah. like the footage uh, of Ye Wenji's uh, daughter committing chose. suicide by jumping into her, you know, like silo sized underground neutrino detector. Okay, some spoilers from the show. Not really, but they're talking about the opening sequence. Ooh, okay. It says the, sh- the show opens with a sequence directly from the book in which a young astrophysicist, Ye Wenji, watches in horror as her father is subjected to a struggle. Session. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, as we remember from episode one, one of season yeah. one, I think they're talking about the Chinese series, you know, the Chinese adaptation. The Tencent version. I guess so. Do they mention Tencent? Yes, yes. So they're talking about the Tencent version and they talk about how that series only contains vague references to the revolution and does not show the book's brutish portrayals of the Red Guard. Mm. It's a very sensitive period, said this Taiwanese actress who's cast and before filming Derek who I think helmed the first two episodes told all of the Chinese cast that we're doing this to honor Chinese culture. Alexander Wu was like none of us are writing with any particular axe to grind in relation to China but yeah we don't have to worry about censorship. This is made for a western audience. That's nice. And then another sensitive issue came up when Lu made headlines in a New Yorker interview expressing support for China's mass internment of of Uyghurs. Uyghur Muslims. Yeah that is unfortunate. five Republican U.S. senators sent a letter criticizing Netflix's relationship with the author and Netflix countered that his comments have nothing to do with the series and they don't they, it's like unfortunate like that he believes try. that but like it's also like what do you like flip the coin on its head like yeah I don't agree with his stance on the treatment of Uyghur Muslims but it's also like I'm sure that there are like any number of things that like I hold to be true in my daily life that somebody from China would find like absolutely just as abhorrent where it's like you know it's like to the point like i'm gonna recognize i disagree with him on that fact but also it's like time and place he's from a different everything to me so it's like you know i can't obviously tell the man what he should think but it's also like you know it's like that means that the book should go out of circulation and like the show should be canceled and these jobs should be taken away from people i don't think so totally and then in 2020 which i didn't know this yuzu which is one of the production companies working on the adaptation the netflix adaptation uh-huh. The founder of Yuzu, a billionaire and three-body problem producer named Lin Chi, was killed, was murdered 
in Shanghai. Okay. okay. Apparently, the culprit was one of his own executives who ran the company's film division. Okay. Apparently, the killer, this guy named Shu, he was a massive fan of Breaking Bad and suggested that his idea to poison Lin was inspired by the series. It was a very weird twist that the three-body problem mogul's killer may have been influenced by another drama series that kind of rivals Game of Thrones. Anyway. Yeah, that is strange. And it was just very shocking, except apparently back in 2018, not everyone was shocked. Apparently back in 2018, when Amazon was negotiating with Yuzu for the three-body problem rights, Uh because Jeff Bezos is a big fan, the studio's drama team, which was led by Sharon Tal Iguado, whatever, they like attached the showrunner and they spent like eight months trying to make a deal. Remember, we really thought that Amazon was going to be the one producing three-body problem. Yeah, it looked like it because I mean, I was just thinking about money. I'm like, I feel like Amazon has more money than Netflix. So if that's what it comes down to, I was thinking like, sure, yeah, Prime's going to get it. And so then the talks to like make this deal culminated in in one of the most insane meetings ever, apparently, where... The Yuzu, like, kind of executive squad came in to LA and Lynn arrives, the one who was killed, dressed like a gangster and, like, puts his feet up on the table. Okay. And they're like, it was the, it was so obnoxious. We're one minute away from their signature when the CEO suddenly says, let's do a joint venture instead and, like, effectively blows up the deal. Oh. Apparently, a bunch of the team members on Lynn's on, like on Lynn's side were super upset with this like last second maneuver including one in particular Shu the executive Yikes. who was later charged with Lynn's murder the group went out it was super dramatic and there was like a ton of tension and then two years later Lynn is killed okay the fourth thing revealed in this um, Hollywood Reporter interview and this is the last thing is that and this is one of the less scandalous issues apparently surrounding the creation of the adaptation. Okay. The core characters in the books never even meet, right? Ye-Wen-Ji never meets. I mean, she does meet Luo-Ji, actually. But all the other characters, like, there's just a lot of separate things going on, Yeah, right? like multiple live storylines. So the showrunners totally change this, and they basically make five key characters friends from Oxford. Okay. Where the series of seemingly impossible events draws them back together years later. So they kind of make up their own characters to be, like, these five physical physicist friends who are trying to figure it out i mean okay if they feel like it'll like move it along better i'm for that i guess i mean obviously season lu was okay with it because it you know ultimately happened yeah and then the last thing they say is like the science obviously presented very unique obstacles quantum theory orbital mechanics astrophysics nanotech even the three body problem is just hard to communicate a book can give you a little two-page physics lesson but you can't really do that in a show without like stalling the momentum of the plot right yeah it takes a lot so of they have exposition to f- i feel like they said they had to figure out a lot of ways to represent things visually mm, okay and then it says that one striking sequence in the show's vr world which one of the show's special effects artists called the design olympics Ooh. involves a hundred naked background actors howling in terror as they suffer a cataclysmic weather event hell yeah I mean, we know what they're talking about <laughs> love that and they said, I hadn't seen a hundred terrified screaming Chinese people in one place since the buffet line at my wedding. Alexander Wu quips. LOL. The nudity is a one-off, by the way. Unlike Thrones, the first th- season of Three Body Problem is a sex-free tale, which is kind of similar to the book. Yeah, I'm like, we really Remember? don't see I was any like, like, 
sex happening until we learn that Luoji is like a playboy with his girlfriend that he doesn't know what her name is in that hotel room. <laughs> I know. And then the last thing, and I think this is a great segue into our recap, Weiss and Benioff say, the second book is far better than the first. And the third book just completely blew my mind. We've been saying it. So I feel if we survive to the second season, we're going to be in a good place. Yep. So it sounds like season one actually will stick to book one that's good i was kind of you know i wasn't sure because like you know obviously when when netflix announced that the show was getting made they didn't like announce any details of like the structure of the show if it was like a two season order or like a 26 episode or you know like whatever they didn't give any sort of like inclination as to what limitations that the creative team were under so i'm kind of glad that that's how they're doing it yeah it's a thorough interview and um you know if you want to read the rest of it go to hollywood reporter and we'll post it on threads because we're there now we broke up with our ex See you on threads. Yeah. Oh, that's good. We broke up with our ex. Yeah. So with that introduction, I think what better way to launch back into book two, now part two of the Dark Forest in the Three Body Problem trilogy. Start two, one, You're listening to Radar Peak, a three-body podcast reviewing our way through the three-body problem and discussing its real-life parallels. I'm Allie. I'm Brett, and this week, Wallfacer Tyler meets his match. For the first time ever, two Wallfacers meet face-to-face, and Luoji, poor guy, is met with not one, but two tragedies. Today, we begin part two of The Dark Forest, The Spell. Stay tuned. Energy unit reporting. All systems go. Cutting unit reporting. All systems go. Amplifier unit reporting. All systems go. Interference monitor unit reporting. Within acceptable range. Begin transmission. Brett? Allie? Start us off. Are you ready to do some magic? Magic well, in a sci-fi? Sort of. We're officially starting part two of Cixin Lu's The Dark Forest, and this entire part is called The Spell. I hear an episode title. <laughs> mm, not know. We're beginning this part today during year eight of a crisis era. And if you remember from last week when General Fitzroy saw for the first time with his eyes the Trisolarian fleet using the Hubble 2 telescope, today mm-hmm. we pick up five years since that moment. Because if you remember, Thank God. last week said something to the effect of like five years passed like a blur or like something to that effect. Like just five years and now we're that much more in the future time really does fly especially when you're having fun baby the trisolarian (laughs) fleet is currently 4.2 light years from the solar system and we pick up this week with wallfacer tyler since his meeting last time to submit his revisions to the pdc for all of his recommendations to get approved his mosquito swarm is taking a little bit longer than expected but every recommendation that he put forward got approved so he's just sort of like biding his time a little bit the pdc even gave tyler the green light to go ahead and investigate europa Ceres, and those asteroids that he had his eye on but in the period of time where he is where he's just sort of like waiting for his fleet to be completed he doesn't really have much else to do and like at this point all of the wallfacers are public celebrity everybody and their brother and their mother and their cousin and their uncle they're obsessed with the wallfacers because they think that they truly are the only hope that humanity has they are the new kardashians they are exactly the new kardashians and like (laughs) 
each of the wall facers, honestly, minus Luo Ji, can really hardly exist in society because of how crazed everyone has become with them. Like in in like your in my world today, we have the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but like here in the three body world, they're already on Wall Facer, the movie, the musical, the sequel. You know what I mean? Like they have turned these people into like pop culture icons that are just like permeating through all of their culture. It's important to note that during this period, a cult dedicated to the wall facers also popped up, which I just thought like, oh God, like humans are such a bunch of dummies. Like you've got the the ETO operating as like a militarized cult to see the Trisolarans, you know, like have their dominion on earth. And now the wall facers have their own cult as well. So I'm like, sure, you get a cult, you get a cult. Everybody just gets a cult today. So in Tyler's downtime, finally, because, you know, like he can't go to space the mosquito swarm isn't finished he obviously also can't go study the planetary bodies that he wants to go study so really for the first chance since he was named a wall facer tyler has now the opportunity to live what almost feels like a normal life to him sure his house is obviously really heavily guarded he's got escorts that take him from place to place and like anybody that comes to see him at home has to go through like presidential level background checks but really for the most part tyler feels like he's having a normal one one day at home ding dong ding dong ding dong ding dong Mr. Tyler, you have a visitor. And so Tyler goes to the front of his house. And when he arrives at like the living room, he can see this person standing before security going through his background checks. And he thinks to himself, he's like, oh, this guy's going to get through no problem. He is not a threat to literally anybody. Why? Well, so this guy just like at the sight of him, Tyler's like looking him up and down. And this guy, he's wearing like Coke bottle thick glasses. His suit is wrinkled. His shirt is wrinkled. His tie is disheveled. And he's wearing like one of those bowler hats. Like he looks like he just stepped out of a machine washed Magritte painting or something. Uh oh, it's giving, it's giving guy who killed John Lennon though. (laughs) Strawberry fields. So... This guy is a sight. Like, Tyler almost feels bad for him in a way. Because he's like, oh, look at this sad sack who came to see me. Like, of course he's going to get through security. He's a threat to literally nobody. To Tyler's sight, this guy is malnourished. He's pretty emaciated. And he kind of looks like he hasn't seen the sun, like, ever. So it's either giving, like, mole person or, like, hacker that lives in his mom's basement kind of scenario. It's, like, somewhere between those two extremes. So when this guy made it through security, he walked closer to the room where Tyler stood, but he did not come past the threshold because it was almost like he was afraid his like grubby shoes would get the carpets dirty or something. And this Robbery man, feels we're going to hell. And this man, no, but he's giving, Tyler, he's giving shooter. He's armor. giving, he, he's giving like, I don't want to trust him, but also that could just be like a little bit of like latent trisolaran era xenophobia that's popping up. I don't know. This is not the kind of guy that I'd be like, oh, you're no security. You're no flight risk. You're no security risk. Like, like unless it's a girl, I would I would be like, yeah, I want you to pat that guy down for sure. Unpack that Honestly, for me. Honestly, he smells. Well, you know, you, well, I feel like if you look statistically at like murderers and mm-hmm. their gender across uh-huh. the globe and uh-huh. time, uh-huh. 
I think there's a large disparity in between gender. So like I think girls can kind of like kind of sneak their way past security a lot easier than a man. Like I would not trust any man whether he's well dressed or poorly dressed. I think that's I just would like consider- good life advice that everybody should take. Trust no man. <laughs> trust no man. Okay, yeah. go on. <laughs> okay, so this man, he doesn't want to come into the room where Tyler is cuz he's like thinking like maybe oh I'll get the carpet dirty. I can't do that. But he bows repeatedly and he takes off his bowler hat and he holds it to his his chest and he introduced himself and in a frail voice the man said the words that struck tyler like he had just touched a live wire no wall facer frederick tyler i am your wall breaker oh shit oh dun, 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 dun. and they just let this guy through security oh my god i'm like make no mistake the last time we saw a wall breaker he was like trying to bash in luoji's chest on the grounds at the un like very much trying to kill him so i'm like okay tyler you in danger girl oh god okay new scene (gasps) oh okay things are heating up it's heating up i told you it's starting to move the train is now in motion we are leaving ronkonkoma and heading straight for next stop penn station stand clear of the closing doors please bing bong (laughs) yes okay keep going So you remember our little like military, like gay love story that I was hoping for that we didn't ultimately get, but you know, I was the still team. had hopes for. I'm Jang Behai and Wu Yue. Yeah, I'm gonna go out on a little bit of a limb and say we've got another one that's forming. I think Zhang Behai just like can't help himself, basically. Where does he keep all that hope? Well in his pants. <laughs> May West once said how tall are you? And the guy said, I'm five feet, eight inches. And she said, never mind the five feet. Tell me more about the eight inches. <laughs> I can. So anyway, now we're back with Zhang Beihai and Cheng Weixi. And the two of them are speaking pretty freely with each other. You know, we've seen up to this point, like a lot of the people in the military will like almost say what they want to, but they like don't speak with absolute candor, maybe out of fear of like getting demoted or being penalized in some other way. But now it's just these two in the room and we're in a situation room of sorts. And Zhang and Chang are the only two officers left after a big debriefing as it relates to the Trisolaran problem. In front of them is a projection display of the solar system that's to scale. So everything is like tiny relatively. It's not like one of these science class sort of like orbital models of the solar system where everything's like, you know, nicely spaced and da da da. No, like it's an actual scale model of our solar system being projected up onto like an IMAX size screen. So the sun is like as small as a pencil eraser. Earth is like not even visible. So it's like really just to basically have like a war map but just now the battlefront is the solar system not an ocean mm-hmm. or a, sp- an, a span of desert or something like that visual learners in the room what can you say and the two of them are chatting about like how crazy it is that they're looking at a war map that's the size of the entire solar system and just like how oh like times really are changing baby you know <laughs> and Zhang Beihai is like everything around here really is changing isn't it he's like did you see all the comrades faces when they saw the solar system like this and Chang is like 
how could I have missed it? Seeing the true scale of what the solar system looks like didn't exactly inspire confidence in the comrades. Like, defeatism is so back. Yeah. Like, we tried what we could <laughs> to get rid of it, but, like, baby, she is back, and she is badder than ever. Yikes. Zhang Beihai's like, Ugh, Commander, I'm sorry I brought it up. That's not actually what I want to talk to you about today. We can save defeatism for an official cabinet meeting. Tomorrow and every other day, I smell a liability. And Chang Wei Si, and here's where I'm like, mm, I know Wu Yue is gone at this point. Zhang Beihai's, you know, previous quote unquote lover, but I think we've got a new little bromance starting. Chang is like, okay, then, big boy, if you don't want to talk about defeatism, what do you want to talk about? And Zhang is like, well, uh, I, uh, um, what I, what I mean is, and he turns and he smiles at Chang and Chang smiles back at him. And Chang says, I'm sensing you're about to say something unorthodox. (gasps) Say it. He unbuttons the top button of his shirt. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. And so then, you know, with this kind of like implicit permission from his superior, Zhang kind of makes a Sigma face, you know, kind of like, (laughs) and he's like, Commander, the space fleet is making zero progress. We're having all kinds of issues with controlling nuclear fusion and the space elevator is still at square one. I'm honestly afraid that a space fleet with any level of scientific advancement is going to remain science fiction forever. Our science is stalled. Like we're, this is like a bad, bad problem that we're facing. And Chang Wei Si is like, yeah, but you know that high tech developments don't happen overnight. They often come years after steady and incremental upgrades. Like you signed up for this. No. And Zhang Beihai's like, I know, I know, I know. I'm just saying scientific advancements come in bursts and no one understands the trisolarian problem like I do. And if things keep happening the way that they have been in like 5, 10, 25, 100 years or so, no meaningful scientific advancement will have happened. Then just think about how bad defeatism will be. Like what kind of spiritual headspace will the Space Force be in then? Have I said too much? And then he's like, you know, kind of afraid he's been too honest with his superior. But Cheng Wei Si is like, Zhang Beihai, you sexy motherfucker. I love that you always have long-term goals in mind. He's like, have I thought about how bad defeatism would be? Yeah, but have you thought about how many different ideological cadres will exist? The more schools of thought that surround winning, the less our chances of winning are actually going to be. Chang is like, we need a unified philosophy of victory in the Space Force before anything else. Okay. And Zhang is like, sir, we are on the same page. <laughs> and so Chang is like, well, then, Zhang Beihai, old buddy, old pal, what do we do? Zhang's like, he's like, well, first, purse your lips. Second, close your eyes. Basically, Zhang is like, well, sir, we send in reinforcements. Meanwhile, this whole time, Chang isn't really like looking at Zhang Beihai. He's just sort of like on his little iPad controlling the universe scale that's in front of them. So he's just like zooming in onto the sun and then the whole room gets bright and then he zooms out and the whole room gets dark again. Fun. Five I'm years just like, of technological advancement and they've got an IMAX screen. <laughs> boys and their <laughs> toys, man. They've got a big old iPad. Super iPad. Honestly, fun. You know. And then 
Chang tells Zhang Beihai that if they have any hope of hibernating their top brass so that they make it to the doomsday battle, they have to get all the grunts under control or there won't be an organization in space left to support when all these generals wake up in about 395 years now at this point. And before they leave the situation room, Chang Weisi charges Zhang Beihai with a new job altogether. He's like, forget about everything else now, Zhang. From now on, your prime directive is to focus on the Space Force political department. Do some research into some other branches political department so that you can write up a proposal. I want to get this to the Central Military Commission as soon as possible. New scene. So now back with Tyler. We join him as he's arriving somewhere gorgeous. The sun is setting behind some mountains. There's a few boats on a lake. And across the way, Tyler sees... Ding, 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 ding. Luoji, the man, the myth, the legend himself. He walks up and he's like, bro, they said your place was nice, but goddamn, this is nice. And he's kind of kicking himself. He's like, I really fucked up. Why didn't I just do what Luoji did? Look at the life he has. I've been stressed out of my mind living in the public eye for the past five years. Like, fuck that. I really, like, I fucked myself on this one. Joining Luoji on the grass for a picnic was Yan Yan, his IRL imaginary perfect girlfriend, woman, companion person, and new character alert, their one-year-old baby. Didn't take them very long. Luoji, remember, is a playboy. So I'm guessing he's, you know, pretty fine to look at. And we already know Yan Yan is basically Venus stepping out of the half shell. So when Tyler sees the baby... He's like, fuck the Gerber baby. This baby is a model. You know what I mean? Like the two of them together have just produced the most gorgeous human child that has ever been in existence. And like to the point where like the book describes this baby, LOL, as a stem cell of beauty, the embryonic state of all that is beautiful. Okay, well... Okay, beauty is beauty. But also, I'm just like, I think it highlights the fact that, like, Tyler hasn't really had a life that's his or quiet or slow so that he can even be, like, very present. And, like, now all he's seeing is, like, Luoji, Yan Yan, and this baby having a picnic. And he's, like, kind of, like, broken open by it. Where, like, he's gotten some humanity back in this moment. Mm -hmm. But then also, I'm like, to describe a baby as a stem cell of beauty, I'm kind of like, has Sishin Lu ever seen a baby because to me like even the quote-unquote cute (laughs) ones are little like gremlins i think i'm like i that's why i i never want to have a baby i'm like that's great for other people y'all go do that (laughs) so anyway the scene that is before tyler standing here in this field at luoji's place does his heart good and tyler feels like he stepped into the garden of eden luoji for the first time to tyler's eyes anyway Fields forever. I think that's what the episode is called. (laughs) Okay. Luoji sitting on this picnic blanket looks like truly happy in his eyes. And Yan Yan and the baby are drawing and the surroundings, like my God, the surroundings. This experience that Tyler's having, like obviously couldn't be more different than the life that he has personally been living. So like naturally in this moment, he's kind of going through it a little bit. Before now, none of the wall facers had dared to cross paths with each other outside of planetary defense council meetings. But when he'd called Luoji 
on the phone, Luoji answered it like first ring and was like, yeah, come over. I'll see you soon. Like not a big deal, like whatever. And this whole time. So like Tyler is like walking across this field to Luoji, Yan Yan and the baby. They're also occupied by their perfect life happening on this little blanket in this field at this estate in the middle of who knows where Europe that like they're not even aware that Tyler is there yet. So he sees all of this from a distance and like his heart's growing a couple sizes like the Grinch, but like there's not aware of him. And I don't know why he doesn't just say like, hey, you guys, it's me. Hey, Tyler or whatever. But like he just really kind of like voyeuristically just like silently watches them and like walks up. And it's only really when he gets so close to the picnic that Luoji is like actually forced to see him instead of like his perfect life that's like playing out in front of him. Why look anywhere else? Yeah. And so then Tyler apologized to Yanya and he's like, I'm really sorry for the intrusion and like, I'm sorry to interrupt your picnic. But Yanya is like, oh no, no, it's not a big deal. There's someone you should meet. This is our baby. New character alert. Baby Shasha. Shasha. Shasha is like, Basically, and like at and like, this, can you say Frederick Tyler? Can you say Wallfacer? And she's like, Wallbaba. <laughs> and they're like, Wallfacer. And she's like, and then they're like Frederick Tyler, and then she's like Baba Tabo, and then they're and then they just call him Baba Tybo for the mm-hmm. rest of the time he's there. Yeah, so Baba Tybo is <laughs> like he is so taken by what he's seeing. He's like I. I'm like, on the one hand, I'm really regretting the plan that I put forward in my Wallfacer plan. I'm also kicking myself that I didn't like do the exact same thing that Luoji did because nobody would have questioned it. It would have gotten approved. My life would have been a whole lot happier. Right. And so he's right. like seeing Luoji's like, you know, quote unquote, perfect life play out in front of him. I'm guessing Frederick Tyler has been like living in like a situation room in his own house in fucking Dallas, Texas that has like been swarmed with paparazzi and his wife. They don't have sex anymore because he's just can't get it up he's so stressed and preoccupied with his whole plan basically the blue chew is not working for tyler Mm. so seeing this perfect life of luoji is playing out in front of him tyler is like fully about to break down and the narrator tells us that like all tyler wants to do is just hug the baby basically but instead he says to yan yan seeing you two angels was worth the trip it took to get here. And Yan Yan smiles and she picks up the baby and she kind of gathers her things and she's like, I'm gonna go make dinner. Will you stay? He's like, oh my god, I would love to. So then she and the baby leave and Tyler's left with Luoji. Tyler sits down with Luoji at this picnic and for the first time in days as he's been traveling, his body is able to relax. And he says to Luo, he's like, this is perfect what you have going on here. Like, I literally should have done the same. It's astounding how how much smarter you are than I am. Shit. And Luoji's like, yeah, I mean, this is my everything here. And Tyler's like, and your angel, Yan Yan, she doesn't even watch TV. Like, you just get to live in seclusion out here every day. And Luo's like, mm, I mean, I don't know. Yan Yan's always watching the baby. I don't think she has time to watch anything else, LOL. And Tyler's like, okay, LOL. well. Perfect wife, perfect life. <laughs> pretty much. And Tyler's like, okay, well, do you know anything about what's been happening the past few days? And Luo's like, no. Tell me everything. Like, you don't look well. Do you need something to drink? And Tyler's like, yeah, anything, but just 
make it strong. Luo, my wall breaker appeared to me four days ago. Dun, 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 dun. And Luo was like, wait, so soon? And Tyler's like, I know, right? That's exactly what I said to him too. New scene. <gasps> Biting my nails. So now, now that we know that Tyler is like here in the present moment with Luoji, it's assumed that like Tyler is now telling Luoji everything that happened over the past four days. But the way that the book conveys it is we actually just go back in time. So now we experience it as if it is happening in real time. So now we're back still with Tyler, but in the first moment when he met his wall breaker, the bowler hat guy. And the wall breaker comes in super polite and reserved. He's like, oh, I'm so sorry I'm late. I wanted to be sure, but it took me a lot longer than I thought it would. And, you know, for that, I'm really, really sorry. I tried to get here as soon as possible. Like, I'm, I'm so sorry to have kept you waiting. And a long silence from Tyler, who doesn't say anything. The wall breaker is like, sir, should I continue? And Tyler turns around and walks away to take a seat on the sofa. And he's like, yeah, okay. Go on. And the wall- isn't like the wall breaker supposed to like kill their wall facer? That's what our understanding is. Okay, go on. And so with Tyler seated on the sofa, the wall breaker continues. First, Mr. Tyler, the basics of your plan. Well, at least what you've said about it publicly to officials. Tyler's like, okay. Wall breaker is like, you plan to build a fleet of spaceships that can act alone or that can sync up with the press of a button from your ship. And you want them to carry 100 megaton class H-bombs to hit the Trisolaran fleet. Is that right? It might be too simplified. I'm really, really sorry if I've degraded your work, if that's the case. But I, I think that's the understanding. <laughs> the most fucking condescending shit I've ever heard. And Tyler is like, I'm not discussing my plan with you. You've just said you're my wall breaker. I'm not talking about that. And the bowler hat guy is like, well, if it's false, then arrest me now, please, please. But I think I'm right. I won't use too much of your time, Mr. Tyler. I, I know you're super busy and your time is the most valuable as a wall facer. So tell me, was what I just said about your plan correct? Tyler sighs. He's like, Looks like you got bingo, mister. Congratulations, you win. But then the wall breaker goes into full gaslight mode. He's like, Mr. Tyler, what I just said was not at all correct. If you'll excuse me for disagreeing with you. And I'm like, wait, what the fuck? He's like, what's his, what's his end game here? He just like actively yeah, yeah. explained the plan. And he's like, actually, that's not what your plan is. <laughs> Don't trust this man. He's giving... John Wayne Gacy vibes. Big time. Wallbreaker is like, Mr. Tyler, Actually. you have just been to China, Japan, and the mountains of Afghanistan looking for kamikaze pilots for your mosquito swarm. But that's just the outside strategy that you presented. I almost gave up on figuring out your plan because to be perfectly quite fucking honest, it was really obscure. But then it hit me. You gave me the key. Your little side quest to go visit Europa, Ceres, and the Astro Asteroids, baby. That was the tell. I was like, hmm, what do these things all have in common? Oh my god, I'm dying to know. Because this was something we were asking ourselves last week. Any guesses? Um, okay, Europa, Ceres, and what was the other one? Just a collection of asteroids, yeah. Or comets, yeah. He's gonna, okay, we know they like all have water. Bingo. Ding, 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 ding. Water. Oh! I'm smart. The wall breaker is like, should I go on? 
And Tyler is just like, God, no, just fucking stop. He's like, I'll continue anyway. Don't worry. I've prepped oh, so long for this moment. <laughs> this man's going full psychopath. This guy's a sicko, I think. He's going full strawberry fields. Let's hear it. <laughs> the wall breaker is like, let's put a pin in that. I'll come back to the water. For now, your mosquito swarm. Mr. Tyler, you intended first to attack not Trisolaris, but Earth's own space force. Isn't that right? You traveled the globe looking for terrorists who would happily blow themselves up for your cause, but you failed. The wall breaker says to Tyler also, he's like, and you also weren't surprised by this. Like you actually planned for it, you sick genius. Like you still wound up with two things that you wanted, total despair in humanity and well, I'll come back to the other thing. Wait, what? He was planning to what? If this wall breaker is to be believed, wall facer Frederick Tyler intended not to attack the Trisolaran ships, but to use the Mosquito Swarm to attack Earth's own space force. Is he ETO? The wall breaker says to Tyler, you traveled the world and you became so disillusioned with humanity that you became so sure the space force didn't stand a chance. You ultimately concocted an even more extreme plan. You started playing a long game to fully betray humanity, didn't you? All the while becoming more and more sympathetic to the ETO and Trisolaris. I mean, come on. You basically half came out in support of the ETO that day with the PDC. Do you remember the day that he suggested the world should lay off off their attacks? Wallbreaker says, but you weren't lying then. You really do need the ETO to survive until the arrival of Trisolaris. And as a matter of fact, the ETO needs you too, Tyler. The ETO needs you, your resources, and your assistance. You could give the ETO your entire mosquito swarm and just pretend like it was part of your plan all along. This didn't get a response from Tyler. So the wall breaker was like, so anyway, like I was saying, water. Yeah, I was like, bring us back to the water. What's the water about? The Trisolarans, the wall breaker says, have used up nearly... I'm so glad you're covering this part, by the way, because like you doing this character is perfect. Like you could easily play this guy. I think so. I think so. The wall breaker says the Trisolarans have used up nearly all of their water. They are stuck in this cycle of rehydrating with endlessly recycled dirty water at this point. You planned to take your little mosquito swarm, go to Europa or Ceres or any of the comets, and you planned on harvesting ice. Isn't that right? Then you planned to fly that ice to the Trisolaran fleet and offer them fresh water to rehydrate with as a peace offering but that's when you would enable the drone swarm and have all of your fireflies attack the fleet with their h-bombs yes tyler is visibly shaken and stands upright in a hurry and the wall breaker is like mr tyler it's truly a spectacular plan bible like honest to god you could have made it a little harder for me to figure out i mean i still would have figured it out but it would have just taken me a little bit longer but still i gotta say i recognize the amount of stress and pressure that you're under so don't be yourself up too much you did well enough i hope history remembers you well mr tyler wait 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 
So did Tyler, he was going to offer the ice as a water as a peace offering and then attack the Space Force. Not No, the it seems like the wall breaker saying that bit about the ETO of like, you could just give your ships to the ETO and then let uh, us. Have, it, it almost seems like he's like doing two things, like maybe one, like kind of grabbing at a straw, but also maybe hoping to plant a seed because like ultimately the wall right. breaker, all they have to do is break the wall facers plan. I think like the easiest way way to do that is to kill the wall facer and then you take out the person responsible for the plan but you know there are other ways to go about ruining somebody's plans and intentions so it's like i guess i kind of took it as like if he could plant the seed and effectively like leave this pervasive thought in tyler's mind of like give mosquito swarm to eto must deliver ships to enemy you know whatever then like maybe ultimately that could come to fruition but it's like this guy also is showing the cards of like but i know exactly what you were gonna do so i'm showing you one way or the other your plan is broken gave up got it right so before he like basically was like wow we're actually fucked he was gonna trick the trisolarans by bringing them a peace offering and then and then bombing them them. yep and so damn cuckoo kachoo yeah He is the walrus, baby. So now this like sickly little man, like too pale and emaciated and like not, you know, quote unquote, not a threat to anybody suddenly appears like he has a breath of fresh life breathed into him. And he holds out his hand to shake Tyler's and he says, well, Mr. Tyler, I'm finished and you're done. Call your people. The man in the bowler hat turned to leave. And just before he made it out of the room, Tyler asked him finally, you know what? If everything you say is true, so what? And the wall breaker turned around with a smirk on his face and said, Mr. Tyler, true or untrue, whether or not I've broken your plan, the Lord does not care. And he left Frederick Tyler's house. And that's the end of that scene. He walks away going... (laughs) (laughs) The door closes and he leaves. Mm Mm-hmm. God, that is such a good scene. It's crazy. I'm like, it it really makes sense of why just like at the sight of a one-year-old baby, Tyler is like thrown fully into like the center of his like emotions in his heart. He like everything he's been working on the past five years in like a span of a couple of minutes and somebody dropping by his house is literally over. Like it's done. You know what I mean? Fuck. And also, like, what a, like, what a cunty thing to say to somebody when you, like, completely, like, not only exposed, but destroyed their plans to be like, you know, Mr. Tyler, I'm finished and you're done. <laughs> Call your people. I'm like, ooh, bitch. God, truly, he, he read, he ate, he left no crumbs behind. Baby, the library was open on this day. This man came in and read <laughs> for filth. Wow. Okay. So incredible to hear that whole backstory because I pick up here and I'm like, wow, wonder what the story was. <laughs> because the first thing that I know is that upon hearing Tyler's story, Luo G is speechless. I mean, yeah. So I read the, you know, the beginning of my section. And I'm like, whoa, I wonder what the story was. Yeah. What the fuck did Tyler just tell him? And now I know. Now, Luo G and Tyler continue their conversation. 
But there's there are some notes just that like, you know, when anyone's talking to a wall facer, there's always a question in the back of your mind that like, well, the wall facer's words can't be trusted, right? Right. Yeah. Their job is to but lie. Now you've got two wall facers talking to each other. Uh-huh. You know, like all of it could be meaningless. All of it could be deception. You know, the doubt is just multiplied. Yeah. And that's a big reason why there had been no private interactions between wall facers up until this point. That like all communication loses significance because yeah, it's moot, basically. neither of them yeah, can really believe what the other one is saying. Yeah. But Luo Ji, he's just like, all right, I'm just going to entertain what he's telling me, even though it could all be bullshit. Right, 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 right. You know, so Luo Ji is just like, so what do you think of the wall breakers analysis? Even though in his mind, he's like, there's no point to this question. He could be lying to me. Sure, yeah. Tyler is like, well, he was right. And Luo Ji, he like doesn't know what to say because... Again, he's a wall facer, and what meaning would it have for him to, like, say anything? Sure, yeah. So he says nothing, and Tyler just continues and essentially begins to monologue. This man needs to go to therapy. Yes. Luoji notes, like, all right, this guy, like, just, I guess, really needs to talk to someone. Yeah. He's talking at me and doesn't really care whether I'm listening or not. So Tyler just keeps going. He goes, I mean, listen, the plan was in its infancy. The technology, it wasn't all the way there, but I expected, you know, over 400 years years of advancement we'd resolve a lot of the theoretical and the technical issues sure but judging from the wall breaker's attitude you know what does he say when he walks out well he says two things he says uh mr tyler i'm finished and you're done call your people but then he also says you know to tyler asking him well you know so what is it let's pretend you got my plan a hundred percent correct so what and the guy is like Mr. Tyler, true or untrue, if your plan is broken or if it still stands, the Lord doesn't care either way. Because don't forget, mm. they view all of humanity as, say it with me, bugs. bugs. So, yeah, based on the attitude of the wall breaker who was like, whether I'm right or not, the Lord does not care either way. Like, you are of no threat. So, yeah, they're traveling interstellar space and you don't even have your mosquito swarm that you so desperately need to pull off this plan like come on it's not it's not even a fair fight so tyler's like you know judging by the attitude of my wall breaker doesn't seem to matter the greatest insult of all that my plan is completely impotent regardless of whether you know i change it or not damn he goes you see after the wall breaker visited a complete analysis of my strategy was posted online it was over a million words long oh god and most of it had been obtained through Sophon monitoring, right? Because, like, they're everywhere. Presumably, like, Sophons are everywhere. So, Sophons were privy to that conversation. And it caused a huge sensation. I mean, imagine the, the viral leak of, like, a cel- like the biggest celebrity in the world's master plan, right? It's like, like Watergate Fred- happening all over again. Like, you know, news yes. like that took the world by storm. It's WikiLeaks. It's Frederick Baby. Tyler, the wall facer's entire plan. You know, it's it's Jeffrey Epstein's flight list. So Tyler goes on. He goes, then the PDC passes a resolution that any wall facer plan that jeopardizes human life will be deemed a crime against humanity. Oh, God. Now, yeah, he's like, of course, like any evidence that my preliminary plan would jeopardize human life could be a part of my deception. So it's not like I'd actually be prosecuted for any crimes until it's actually developed and executed. Loji is like, 
I thought as much. Mm-hmm. But Tyler continues. He's like, but then at the hearing, I told them that the wall breaker analysis was correct and that my strategy was indeed a mosquito swarm. And I asked to be tried in accordance with international and national law. He basically is like, try me. I am a, I am a treat. I'm a traitor. Damn. You know, like charge me with high crimes. Damn. Take me to the ICC, Luo- baby. Luo G goes, and what they say again, Luo G is like, all right, just entertaining this guy's whole thing. Yeah. And, Frederick Tyler's like, they just looked at me, man, with that wall facer smile on their faces. Oh, Christ. And they, I forgot, didn't we decide that Frederick Tyler's like Southern? May as well be, why not? And they, so they just looked at me with that goddamn smile, you know, when they know they're talking to a wall facer and they declared the meeting adjourned. Jeez, okay. And Luo G is like, ah. I know the feeling. And Tyler's like, I mean, I had a fucking breakdown after that. I ran out of the square, you know, after the meeting was adjourned, I ran out into the square and I was shouting, I'm Frederick Tyler. My wall breaker exposed me and my strategy. And he was right. And now everyone knows I'm anti-human. I'm the devil. Please punish me. Kill me. Loji's like, meaningless we need to get this man to an snm dungeon stat he's not well he is not well i don't know that he could really be in that but yeah he's like begging strangers to punish him i'm like this he he needs like a whip to his backside or something it's like brother have you ever thought of taking up alcohol (laughs) i know like just pick up a vice like any other normal barely functioning adult human exactly Um, And Tyler's like, what I hate the most is the way everyone looked at me. The children marveling at me, right? Like I'm some hero. The elderly worried for me like I'm this hero. The middle-aged respecting me like I'm some hero. All of them saying, what a great job he's doing. He's he's a hero. He's pretending. How will the enemy ever actually know his strategy? He's like, oh, these people are barely even worth saving anymore. I'm telling them the truth and they can't hear it. And they're like, you're so great, wonderful, perfect, incredible genius. Your hidden strategy is going to save us all. You are our hero. It's all utter bullshit. The morons, Loji. Yeah. Loji smiles. And Tyler's like, see, see, now you're doing it. You believe I'm acting apart and that I'm going to save the world. You believe it just like the rest of them. How did we end up here? How did we end up here? And Luo G is like, it is quite the vicious cycle, isn't it? We'll never be free of it. Oh my God. I just thought of a song for a musical break. It's uh, it's uh, like a remake of that Dionne Warwick song. And it's, what's it all about? Luo G. No, what's it all about? Luo G. I love that. You know? I know. Luo G is like, yeah, man. I mean, like, Luo G's kind of blissed the fuck out. He's got his wife. He's got a kid. He lives in fucking Scandinavian Alps. He's. Yeah, I mean, he wants like, for it's, nothing. It's, it's, it's a vicious cycle. That's why I live up here. Tyler kind of sullens. And he's like, you think we'll never be free from this cycle? He's like, I think we will. Oh. Luo G is like, hey, Tyler, <laughs> whatever you're saying, true or false, why don't you just stay here for a bit relax rest get the color back in your face yeah it'll be good for you and uh and tyler is like yeah that's why i'm here we understand each other's pain and i think i'm gonna go for a walk by the lake loji is like i'll see you at dinner all right so tyler goes on a walk leaving loji alone with his thoughts and loji is reflecting on the last five years how since yan yan and the birth of shasha he's just really lived in a state of bliss 
isolated from the suffering of the rest of the world, isolated, you know, hasn't gone to a single PDC meeting. But he then thinks to himself, you know, perhaps this is all an illusion, right? Perhaps the outside world is much like a quantum state that isn't real unless you observe it, right? And this is the first mm. moment that he's being forced to observe it because Frederick Tyler has knocked on his palisade wall. Yeah. But now he's thinking the world, you know, has burst into his little Garden of Eden and he he can't ignore it for the for the first time in five years. And he thinks of Tyler and he wonders if he was right that, you know, maybe there is a way out of this vicious cycle to break free from these shackles of logic. Loji suddenly jumps to his senses and he starts sprinting toward the lake. He wants to shout, but he didn't want to scare Shasha and Yan Yan, so he's just running as fast as he can, his feet pounding okay. and crunching the grass below, and suddenly, between his footsteps, he hears a loud crack, the sound of a gunshot from the lake. No, no. Strawberry fields forever. No. Living is easy with eyes closed. Wow, just like that. Standing all you see. Yeah. And just wow. like that, fucking sad. Did I surprise you? Yeah, I like I. Well, I I almost made the joke when he was like, "I'm gonna go take a walk by the lake." I was like, "By or into?" Yeah, I mean, even when you were telling me his story and he's like sitting there listening to the wall breaker, I'm like, "Oh, yeah, he's about to he's he's on the brink." Oh, I mean, I I, I was fully anticipating like when when the wall breaker like was you know spelling out exactly you know you you were gonna do this and then this and just like eviscerating his plan in front of him i almost like was waiting for him to like get to the end of that diatribe and then like pull out a little like pocket revolver or something and then just like right. or like go up to the his roof. home or whatever yeah but like wow that's so much oh i see i see yeah yeah right he may as well have killed him but he he was literally the wall breaker was like you're not even a, a threat enough to be killed no he yeah i mean he he killed tyler when he was like you've done well enough i hope history remembers you kindly yeah call Yikes. your people i'm finished <sighs> and you're done red to filth damn so loji walks home to dinner shooketh knowing what he has just heard <sighs> yan is like did mr tyler leave and little shasha is like baba taibo and oh. yan is like yeah did he leave he's like oh he left all right and literally loji's like yep yep he's gone, he's gone. <laughs> <laughs> Loji is like, he wasn't well. He didn't take a very easy path. He looks at Yan Yan. He's like, have you watched TV at all lately? And Yan Yan's like, no. She's like, not. yeah, did you TV. see the most recent episode of Real Housewives of Salt Lake City? Insane. Receipts. Emmys. Screenshots. Evidence. Yan is like, no, other than Bravo Real Housewives, not nothing. Literally me. But she realizes just on the question that things must be bad out there. Yeah. And she asks Loji, is living here really part of the Wallfacer plan? Or is it just a shield from the end of the world? Ooh. And it's like, he hates to hear her, like, hurt by the world. He just wa like, wants her to be happy, right? Yeah. That's why he's brought her here. He's like, of course it's part of the plan, my dear. Of course it's part of the plan. And she's like, but can we really be happy if the rest of the world is suffering? Mm. He's like, that is your very responsibility to make yourself happy in the face of all the suffering. You have to make yourself happy. Mm. And then he says this whole thing about, <sighs> he's kind of like, 
reveals his true thoughts for a second. Yikes, okay. And you realize it's not actually part of the plan. You realize, okay, he's like, I need you to stay happy. Because, listen, I mean, humanity isn't really meant to go on forever. 400 years between the Renaissance and the Information Age. And no one worried about the survival of humanity. We just worried about our happiness on a day-to-day basis, right? Just tomorrow. And now, all of a sudden, we have to worry about surviving 400 years from now. He's like, just worry about what makes you happy today. And he realizes he shouldn't have said this because basically he exposed the fact that like it's actually not part of the plan and he has no interest in saving humanity. Yeah. And he sees in her like eyes like a sort of knowing like Yeah, like she's realizing wait, things. This actually isn't part of the plan. Yikes. Yeah. And and, he, and she goes, "Are you just saying that to be a wall facer? You know, are you just la- are you just trying to get me to believe that or do you really mean that?" And he's like, "Of course I'm just being a wall facer. It's of course it's all part of the plan." <laughs> And and basically, you know, he preserves the innocence in her eyes once more. That there's still a fighting chance. Her eyes twinkle as if to say, huh, Okay, I really did believe you for a second there. Oof. Scene change. Okay. This is a very quick recap, okay? It's the UN Planetary Defense Council. Yes, the PDC meeting okay. hearing number 89, right? Because we're five years into the future. We've had. We love a meeting. We love a committee setting. And a few resolutions are passed. Okay. One of them, one of the most important ones being that Luoji must come to the next PDC meeting. Uh, Okay. No ifs, ands, or buts. They've passed a resolution that basically PDC initiatives and PDC regulation will trump the plan and strategy of any wall facer. Compulsory, baby. So, yeah, your plan cannot involve missing PDC meetings. Mm-hmm. Also, you got to know that since Tyler's suicide and the revelation of his plan, the whole Wallfacer project has come under immense scrutiny, and a lot of people are like very out on it. You know, the yeah, public. I mean, there's, there's rightfully a, so. Yeah, yeah. There's a huge faction of people that it's like, this is so stupid it's a huge waste of money we can't how do, or how are we even supposed to trust these people are they even capable you know it was it was it's bad so basically pdc is kind of like tightening the belt here with the with the wall facers okay heinz presents a sort of update on what he's gonna need for his plan something called a resolving imager okay and okay this is like gonna get really technical but a resolving imager, which is like based on tomography and nuclear magnetic residence, it operates by scanning all cross sections of the brain at once, which requires accuracy on the scale of the internal structure of brain cells and neurons, which would bring the number of simultaneous CT scans to several million to be Whoa, synthesized okay. by a computer into a digital model of the brain. Damn. Okay. So we're in like supercomputing mode, basically. Yeah. Exactly. He explains more technical requirements. They'll need to be able to to conduct this at a rate of 24 frames per second to produce a, a dynamic synthetic model that can capture all brain activity at a neuron level resolution. Whoa, okay. Making it possible to precisely observe activity in the brain or even replay all neural activity 
throughout Whoa. the thinking process. Okay. Imagine that kind of technology is like acquired by like the police or something when they're like investigating or like they bring people in to question them and they just like take a copy of your brain type thing. I'm like, ooh, that's scary yeah. technology in right. the wrong hands. Right. And they can like know all thoughts just by like looking at your Oh, do you know what it's giving? It's, it's giving, what's that Tom Cruise movie where they're like policing crimes that haven't happened yet? Minority Report. It's giving Minority Report. Yes. Totally. Next, Ray Diaz describes the progress of his plan. After five years of research, the digital star model for super high-yield nuclear weapons had been completed, and now it was being debugged. Okay. Then the PDC Scientific Advisory Panel presents a report on the feasibility of their two plans. Got it. Okay. Long story short, it's going to take 20 years for both of their plans to kind of progress to the next stage. Uh-huh, okay. Like t- 20 years of research, execution, experiment. Oh, yeah, because like you think about it, too, the Sophons are here, so their technology is stalled, so they only yes. have access to all the technology they had up until the arrival of the Sophons. So, like, that makes sense. They're having to... that. Uh, th- there was something from one of my sections where it says something about, like, part of the reason why Tyler's mosquito swarm had been so stalled is because, like, they were having to basically reinvent chemical-fueled rockets because, like, you know, I guess, hypothetically, if the Sophons hadn't showed up by this point they would have had like ion drives or like warp engines or things like that but like they're having to reinvent the wheel that literally like took nasa to the moon basically yes and with both of these projects they're really reliant on computer technology like advancing dangerous and right now computer tech is based on traditional circuitry right based on von neumann architecture and limits development. Yeah. You know, they can squeeze the last drops they can out of that model, but... There's still, like, one Y2K bug away from, like, utter ruin, it feels like. Exactly. Ultimately, the progress they need to make in supercomputing is possible, but is going to take 20 years. Wow, okay, And therefore, both Ray Diaz and Bill Hines elect to go into hibernation for the next 20 years. Okay. And by the end of this scene... That's a lot of faith that I don't know that I would be able to exercise. Of like, all right, I'm going to go down and I'm just going to trust that you guys are not going to lose focus while, while I'm down there. It's crazy. Like the one of the PDC scientific advisory board scientists is like, when you come out, say hello to my successor for me. Yikes. Ray Diaz and Bill Hines go to a top secret underground facility where they do indeed enter hibernation. Man, night, night. Night, night. So now we're really just left with Luoji as the one awake, living wall facer. Okay, wow. New scene. Final scene of the episode. And this changes Luoji is having a dream. He's alone in the Louvre and he's experiencing the loneliness that he hasn't felt in five years Okay. since he met Yan Yan. And as he walks through these halls alone, he goes over to the Mona Lisa and he looks at the Mona Lisa and she's no longer smiling at him, but looking at him and, and with these eyes of compassion. Hmm, okay. He hears the sound of the outdoor fountains grow louder, at which point he wakes up. And he realizes, oh, actually, it's raining. He reaches out to touch his beloved Yan Yan, but she's not there. Okay. He gets up. She's watching Housewives? He goes to look for her. No, she's, the TV is off. He goes to see if he's in little Shasha's room, but she's missing too. Not only is she missing, but the bed is made. And on the bed, there's a small painting by Yan Yan. 
and the painting looks almost blank, like a blank white piece of paper. But he goes up to it and he looks closely and you can see tiny reeds in the left lower corner and a vanishing goose flying in the upper right. And in the very center are two tiny, tiny people and a graceful line of text that reads, my love, we'll be waiting for you at doomsday. So wait, Yan Yan just took the baby and what, entered hibernation without telling Luoji? (sighs) Well... He picks up the phone to call Kent because he's like, there's been a security breach or something, right? Yeah, and he feels like he's gone, gone. Where's my baby? Yeah, literally. The dingo ate my baby. And he's like, he's, but he's like kind of faint. And all of a sudden he hears a woman's voice, but it's not Yan Yan. Okay. It's Secretary General Say of the PDC. Okay. Okay. And she's like, hello, Dr. Luo. That's her voice. Very like business fish. Yeah. And he's like, what have you done with my wife and child? She goes, they're waiting for you at doomsday. He's like, why? What, what are you talking about? She goes, it's a PDC resolution to let you work and to fulfill your wall facer duties. No harm will come to them. And children are incredibly well suited for hibernation, actually. They took his family? Yeah. He's like, you kidnapped them, you criminal. She's like, we... <laughs> He did not kidnap anyone. Lo Ji's heart quakes at the implication here that they left on their own accord, right? He goes, I said that having them here was part of my plan. He's like, yes, well, after thorough investigation, the PDC decided it actually was not part of the plan. So we took steps to prompt you to get started on your work. She just said, we sign your checks and what? Yeah. How long did you expect to uh, get away with this? Damn. Okay. He goes, He's like, you took my child away without my consent? That is kidnapping. Yeah. She's like, okay, I'll give you that. But do not forget, Mr. Lowe, all these resources that you have tapped into, including your wife and this house, do not fall under legal framework. They were authorized by the Wall Facer Project. And so the UN's decision in this time of crisis actually can be justified under the law. He goes, and you're still working for the UN? Is that right? And she's like, yes. And he goes, you were reelected? Really? She's like, yes. He slumps down. He's crushed. He's trying to come up with something to say. Like, like, how can I get my wife and kid back? Yeah, like any tactic. And she goes, Dr. Luo, your child and your wife, they are still here. They're waiting for you in the future. If you are not willing to participate in the wall facer project for humanity, then Dr. Luo, why not participate for your family damn they said you want some motivation baby we'll give you some motivation i'ma be a motivation luo 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 damn a motivation luo looks up at her he's like so this was your plan from the beginning wasn't it she goes we only took this step when you left us no other choice But I'm like, what did he do to provoke Secretary General Say to make them, like, reconsider? Like, um, what? I think when he asked for Yan Yan. Got it. That was just, like, They were, like, Across the line. Okay. We'll give him this. But if we do not see progress over Mm. the next five years, we're going to call in, you know, we're going to send her into hibernation and we are going to make him do it. Damn. I mean, I guess, ultimately, the only difference between motivation and blackmail is semantic Mm, on god period period so he's like what the fuck like you had this plan all along in your back pocket so when when yan came to me was she really who she said she was or was this all a lie and he she's like yes yan is exactly who she said she was she's a painter everything you saw was her everything you knew about her was true everything that made her 
her, her past, her family, her personality, her mind. That was all true. Her love for you. He's like, you swear? She's like, do you think she could, do you think Yan could have faked it for five years? I mean, yeah, She didn't truly. fake it. Yeah, she's like, she didn't fake any of it. Although, Not her love go, for you. I'll go so far as to say, like, if I get assigned by the government to this, like, sugar daddy who requests anything and the government gives it to him, I, baby, the Oscar goes too. Like, even if I thought he was repulsive, I'd be like, whatever you say, smile on. Got it. I mean? Yeah, I know. I mean, how long can you keep it up? Well, if it's longer than four hours, you should go to the emergency room. <laughs> A PSA. Yeah. She's like, she didn't fake any of it. Not her love for you. Not her orgasms. Not her innocence. Nothing. I'm like, okay, well, maybe she faked a couple of those orgasms. Yeah. One know. or two. Yeah. Only when you went down on her. <laughs> Which, anyway, well, there's a tangent. She didn't fake any of it, Luoji. Not her love for you. Not her innocence. Nothing. And he's like, well, how could she carry out such a cruel deception then and never let anything slip? Yeah. She never said that, you know, if you don't get started in five years, that I'm going to have to go into hibernation. She's like, how do you know she never let anything slip? I mean, when you met her, was there not a melancholy to her essence? And he thinks of it and he's like, yeah, I mean, there was that feeling that he had of wanting to protect her. A gentle Mm -hmm. sadness concealed in her innocent eyes. He goes, how could I find them? Can I find them? She's like, of course. Like I said, there's a PDC resolution. They're waiting for you on the other side. She's like, yeah, you can find them. Do your job. He's like, then I'll go with them to doomsday. I'll just go into hibernation until then. She goes, you may. He's like, I may. What do you mean I I may? She's like, listen, Luo, there are a lot of people who have become very critical of the Wallfacer program, especially since Tyler's failure. Now, if you want to hibernate until doomsday, there will be many people who will be pleased to see you do that. And honestly, we can't stop you from doing that. If you say that is your plan is to go into hibernation because like in their day-to-day life they just want to be free of hearing about wall facers is that what she means yeah like there's a lot of people that think the wall facers should just like yeah just stop Call it. yeah yeah so she's like that would make a lot of people happy across both lines you know like we're not going to stop you from doing that and the people that are anti-wall facer project are also not going to stop you from doing that yeah but are you really truly willing to do that while humanity is fighting for survival Damn, with the guilt. He goes, I don't give a fuck about humanity. Mm-hmm. And she goes, but you care about Yan and Xia Xia, don't you? Don't you want to fulfill your promise to them? When they wake up in four centuries, doomsday, flames of war all upon them, by then you'll have lost your wallfacer status and you will be powerless to protect them because all you did was go to sleep. Damn. They'll wake up and their only fate will be to share a hellish existence with you while you all wait for the end of the world to come. Is that the life you want to give your child? Yikes. Who do you want them to see when they wake up from their sleep? A man who wouldn't even save his own family? Oof. She got him there, am I right? Seriously. He bows in silence. But do you really believe I can change all of that? She's like, you, for some reason, are our greatest hope. Damn, help us, Luke Skywalker. You're my only hope. She's like, that's exactly what I've come to tell you. Wow. He's like, why? Why am I? Trisolaris wants you dead. That car crash that killed your girlfriend was meant for you. 
holy shit wait from like whoa okay 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 they had been planning it a long time wow he's like but i was just an ordinary man then i wasn't even a wall face why would they go to such lengths to kill me she goes they needed to make it look like an accident a scout hidden in the eto so basically a spy in the eto provided an intelligence report confirming that the eto had orchestrated an attempt on your life whoa. and that order came from trisolaris itself They told Evans through Sofans, and to this date, it is the only assassination that they have ever ordered. Damn, so they are, like, afraid, afraid of Luoji. Yeah. He's like, me? Why? Why on earth? Why on universe would Trisolaris want me dead? Yeah. General Say is like, I have no clue, but it only reinforces your importance. He's like, do I look like I have superpowers or something? She's like, no, you absolutely don't. And don't believe that you do either. Evans required the assassination attract no attention, which only demonstrates that whatever you can do or you know or have in your power can also be acquired by others. Yeah, oof. He goes, why didn't you tell me? She's like, we were afraid of influencing you. Too many unknowns. What will happen if we tell you? Right. Luoji begins to kind of mention cosmic sociology, right? He's trying to kind of figure out what it is that they think he has or knows. Sure, But he cuts himself off and silences himself. And for the first time, acts as a wall facer. Mm. Fearing the Sofans are listening, he swallows his words. And instead he just, he says, is cosmic sociology relevant at all? She goes, probably not. As far as we can tell... It's just a research application that never really grew legs. Even if you had done the research, we wouldn't expect you to come up with valuable results. (gasps) Okay, (laughs) shade. (laughs) He's like, and why is that? And then she goes, let's be frank, Luoji. You're a failure as a scholar. You perform research for a paycheck, not out of genuine curiosity or passion. He's like, isn't that just the way it goes these days? Yeah, I'd be like, "Uh, that's a symptom that society doesn't value science, I think. She goes, you're unserious and undedicated. You have a history of embezzling funds. Character-wise, you're irresponsible and cynical. And we're aware that you don't care about the human race whatsoever. You said it just now yourself. He's like... You've hated me all along. That's why you've stooped so low to take my family away from me. Yeah, I mean, not wrong. She goes, Luo Ji, under normal circumstances, a person like you would never be tasked with such great responsibility. But for some reason, Trisolaris is afraid of you. And it's your job to find out why. With that, General Say gets into a car and leaves. Luoji stands there, contemplating his options. And in his heart, he whispers to Shasha and Yan Yan and says, Wait for me at Doomsday. Finally, he's like urged to do something. Jesus Christ. It's been like such a long time coming. Five fucking years. I know. But finally, we're going to see Luoji get off his ass and work. Ooh, girl. Part two is already like literally like out the gate. We are off to the races, it feels like. We're like approaching a halfway point and you know things are getting serious now like we've set up so goddamn much that now we're beginning to see all of our hard reading pay off and fall into some real plot twists and action sequences and exciting developments and i'm 
very interested to see what the fuck cosmic sociology is. Why actually the Trisolarans are like viscerally terrified of Luo Ji? Yeah, of all people. I'm, yeah, lots to be revealed. I'm just, I'm still thinking about the jellyfish UAP. I know, so crazy. We should post that. We'll post that when this comes out. Yeah, we'll post that everywhere. It'll be threads, TikTok, you know, wherever, wherever we exist. Follow us, subscribe, buy a hat shopradarpeak.com if you really enjoy the work that we do because honey it is work support us in any way it means the world i really can't tell you the way brett and i light up when when you guys show up for us the way we try to show up for you it really keeps us going and i think also like we don't ever really talk about it like at all aside from like that last little you know like goodbye on the end of every episode but if you listen to the show and you enjoy the show please it would do like such a world of good if you would go on apple Podcasts or spotify or wherever you're listening to the show right now and leave a review and tell like you know what you like about it send it to someone else because all those metrics are valuable for how the show gets either promoted or gets sent out via discover to somebody who may not already be listening so if you would take the time to leave a review i personally would be greatly appreciative of that i think that's all i have to say ali anything else nope just <laughs> i'm really glad that you words. turned shasha into a speaking <laughs> character because like <laughs> like we're definitely not going to be getting that from her like at all in this book and so i'm maybe I'm glad we're maybe be that from you i mean hey if we move ahead 20 years wait no she's in hibernation she's asleep well, we, baby she's gonna be one when she wakes up in 400 years yeah can you imagine i'm looking forward I heard this book goes pretty far into the future, so I'm excited to see just how far it goes. Maybe this book series goes until the end of time. I can't believe. Pretty it's far It's murder the on the dance floor. Understatement, understatement of the century, I think. From our split satellite campuses on West and East Coast. <laughs> I know. I'm Brett. I miss you. I'm Allie. I miss you too. And I'm done saying words. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. You can pull up to the next window. Your total will be 1033. Thank you. Murder on the dance floor. You better not kill the groove. DJ. That's it. That's all I know of the song. You've been listening to season two of Radar Peak, a three-body podcast. Subscribe and download on Apple Podcasts or wherever you pod so you never miss an episode. For exclusive members-only content, subscribe to our Patreon. Oh, one last thing before you go. If you enjoyed today's episode, leave a review and tell your friends about us. Join in on the conversation when you follow us on social media at Radar Peak Pod. See you there.